Go well, ahead, wait. Okay. Now, if it's zombies, I change my answer. <laughs> I'd rather be safe and alone on a desert island by myself. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll meditate. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll weave some palm palm frond baskets or something. I'll be okay. Ooh, yeah. Zombies, palm zombies freak me out a little bit. Basket. Welcome to episode 30 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a pint or beverage of your choice. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Craft Beer Cellar is a craft beer bottle shop whose primary focus has always been on the best beer that they can get their hands on. They search for beers made in breweries just down the street or on the other side of the world that are well-crafted and good examples of what excellent beer should be. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And you can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar by joining our conversation. So follow us at Pub Theology on Twitter. Use the hashtag PTLive. Or comment on the Facebook page. And um, at the end of the month, we will pick a winner. Whoever's made the purely subjectively judged uh, wittiest comment. And we will send you a glorious pub theology. I mean, craft beer seller. Damn it. Almost made it through the whole thing. <laughs> we need pub theology live t-shirts to give away with that. Oh, that would be awesome. Let's that, talk about that after the show. Cool. Um, craft beer seller. Gift card. Speaking of which, we had we had two winners last time. We got we got we got the address of one of them. Uh, Michael sent in his address. Uh, who was the other winner again? Dave. Dave. Send Dave, us your, Dave yeah. DeHaan. Send us your yeah. Send us your address so we can send you the good. We can send you your prize. Um, and thank you for listening to our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. And if you are so inclined, watch us live or unlive. What is the opposite of live? When you're broadcasting, you're not live. Unlive after the fact. Archive. Recorded. <laughs> Recorded. Uh, video version of this on YouTube. But we stream live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Um, we start a little early and run a little bit later. And we have sometimes some more informal, um, casual discussion. Um, sometimes, I will admit, it is a little bit of a scary mess. But... Uh, should you get some fun out of it? So, so watch this on YouTube. Uh, YouTube viewership is up. So thank you guys for watching on the YouTubes. Oh, there's people that I can actually watch it after the fact. Y- yes. I didn't make that up. It, it's automatically archived when the show's done. It's automatically archived on YouTube. Apparently, I think what happens is when people, people finish streaming stranger things on Netflix and then what comes up next in their queue is watching some pup theology live. <laughs> That would make sense, too. <laughs> but you can't watch that. It's on YouTube, so I don't quite get how that works. But Stop it. You it just doesn't really work. My point was that people swap over to YouTube because they've gotcha. had their fill of Netflix and they want to watch yeah, us. I, I, under, I understand. We are, what, we are what you watch when there's nothing else to watch. I understand. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. All right. Well, tonight we are blowing in the wind. We discuss Bob Dylan, the man, the music... 
Is there a myth? Maybe the legend and certainly the recent recipient of the Nobel Prize for Literature. So we'll take our theological conversational cues from some Dylan lyrics. It's going to be fun. For just a taste, consider this from the song Maggie's Farm from way back in 1965. Well, I try my best to be just who I am, but everybody wants you to be just like them. So stay tuned for some Dylan-infused, inspired... That's my spoken word, spoken word snaps. Conversation. I like it. I like Great it. Now. Well, uh, my name is Brian Burkoff. I am a pastor and the author of the book Pub Theology. And I am here in Holland, Michigan, on the west side of the state. And uh, tonight I am drinking a little throwback. little George Killian's Irish Red. Ah, I feel like I'm in college again. Yeah, really. Old favorite of mine. And with us, as usual, is Ogan Holder and Tina Simmons. Welcome, guys. Uh, Ogan, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am Reverend Ogan Holder. I am here in uh, Newburyport, Massachusetts, Minister of Unity on the River in Amesbury. Uh, my my, my yet-to-be best-selling book is Rants to Revelations. And it's been out for two years, but fingers still crossed. It'll be one of those late bloomer uh, books. And are you doing anything to still market it? Um, you're listening to it. This is it right here. Okay. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> this is as much as I'm doing. <laughs> uh, and I'm drinking, um, uh, I, a while ago I, I drunk one of these. I had two bottles of Alaskan oatmeal stout, um, in honor of my, my friend and fellow unity minister, Reverend, uh, Rachel Simpson. Um, she sent me these and today's her birthday. So happy birthday, Rachel. She's like family friend for life. So I'm drinking this Alaskan oatmeal stout in honor of you. Very nice. Nice tribute. Well um, and this is Tina. Um, I guess I'm, I'm the one that's the furthest west. I'm calling from the Pacific Northwest. Um, beautiful state of Washington. And I'm, as you can tell, a little sinusy. So I'm drinking a mimosa because Will's, Will's not here to make me a hot toddy and I don't want to make one. So <laughs> it's easier to mix champagne and orange juice. And there's got to be some health benefit to it. <laughs> yeah, boom. The, the vitamin C, well, what ails you? Yeah, that was my, that's my theory. And then the champagne is wonderful that way. The champagne will knock you over. So Champagne makes me giggle. There you go. All right, then this should be so a fun night. Episode 30, guys. That's kind of fun. It's like our show is a 30-something now. Yes. Like 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 most thirty something year old guys still behaving like a teenager. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we go. So we do have some. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say most people say the thirties are their best years. So maybe these these next ten episodes will be our best. Ooh, I like you know, that. That's that's before that's only thirty year old something say that. That's because they haven't hit their forties yet. I, I, I have to agree. Forties <laughs> really when you come into your prime. I will agree with that, though I will also say that Jesus really started getting rolling when he hit 30. So, just going to say. But we, he never hit 40, so we don't know, Brian. And you're yeah. not even in your 40s yet, so you can't chime in here. What? I sure yeah. am. Oh, are you? How old do you yeah. think he is? I thought he was younger than us. Don't, let those, boys, don't let those boys good looks fool you. I am, uh, I am sporting 40 plus, uh, plus at least one. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, were any of you surprised that Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize and the Nobel Prize for Literature? I, I think everybody was surprised. <laughs> I, Fair I, enough. I don't, I don't know where I stand with 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 um, him or a songwriter in general winning winning that prestigious prize for literature. Um, and this is this is not against songwriters in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think songwriters, lyricists are among the most talented creatives we have today. However, I don't know it's like on this, I would say the same level as, you know, writing a full-out novel. And again, this is not taken away from Bob Dylan, his talent, his contribution um, to the musical lexicon of America, uh, the fact that he's been a voice for many, many, many generations and decades. Not taken away from that, but it seems a bit odd. Well, I, I, I know this is going to come as a shock to you, but I, I think I disagree with you. Why does the length of something make it more or less profound? I mean, most books I read, I think, could be summed up in about two chapters. Well, yes, but my point is it does – I think it does take – something more i mean you're writing a book right now tina you've written a book we've all written books i mean would you say yeah. the same thing about your book uh yeah let's sum that up in two chapters or sum it up in in you know four verses of a song um no but it, a whole album to me is like writing a novel writing that Ooh. many songs with that many different emotions and you know, and well, a lot of his lyrics are very thought-provoking. Thank you, Brian, for sharing them. <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, it really, I think songs, song lyrics can be compared to poetry uh, because it, it's, it, it is poetic and there's often multiple layers of meaning. And, of course, you add in the musical element and, the, the, and then it's sung. And that adds, of course, a whole other dimension. Um, but interestingly, an article in the New York Times said... What took them so long? That's the only question for the Nobel Committee that finally chose Bob Dylan to receive the Nobel Prize in Literature this year. Wow. So some, some actually have, are not surprised and think, actually, he's earned this some time ago. Um, I'm, I'm, still on, I'm still on the fence. I think it needs its own category. It's music, music, songwriting, composing, give it its own category. It's, it's, I mean, there's, there is some overlap like you said in the, in the, you know, if we can compare it to poetry and, but it's, uh, I don't know, but, but you know what you. The, funny, the funniest thing about this whole story is they can't find him. Did you hear this? <laughs> I know. I just saw <laughs> it. He has no saying, idea. <laughs> knock, knock, knocking on Dylan's door. Yeah. They, they're trying to contact him to tell him, you know, here's, here's when the event is, are you going to show up? And no response. So, who That's knows true. if he knows? He must know. Who knows? Maybe, you don't know. Maybe he checked out. You know, maybe he checked out of electronics for a while. Oh, I thought you meant he was dead. I think if he was dead, we'd know. <laughs> he checked out. <laughs> so this, uh, this writer in the, in the Times noted that, talking about, you know, a songwriter re- uh, winning this literature award, says that his example of, of writing has taught writers of all, all sorts, not merely poets and novelists about the strategies of both pinpoint clarity and anyone's guess free association uh telegraphic brevity and as well ambiguous kaleidoscopic moods boy that's a lot of words there but 
Mm-hmm. The point is uh, that you know people writing long pieces, people writing journalism, people writing short stories, poetry, etc. Something to learn from uh, his style, I guess. Uh, but if they can't find him, did he actually win it? Yeah, really. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's one of those you got to be here to collect the prize situations. I, I think it's recommended. <laughs> I, well, I think you can turn it down, and, it, and some think he might do that because I think he's turned down other awards in the past. So. Yeah, but the Nobel Prize, I mean, I just, yeah. Well, here's my problem. I, I think it's opening a can of worms or a Pandora's box. You don't want to go, what's, what's next? Screenplays? You know what I'm saying? Like any, any, I, I don't, I don't think it's a, you know, and again, not taking away from the oh, man. That's awfully close-minded of you. Uh, no, I'm not taking away from his talent's <laughs> contributions. I'm just saying. They're I not as talented as novelists is what you're saying. No, I'm saying give, create their own category. I, I don't, I don't, th- there's no time in my life I've uh, equated a song or even an album with a fine piece of literature, like a, a novel. Uh, and you're not you listening know. to the right music. Exactly. Uh, and, whoa. See, no, that's all of you. No, I, I'm, lis- I'm listening to all the right music. Of course uh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we have Grammys. This is why we have, you know, no one's going to give anybody a Grammy for a, a novel. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Ogan, are you afraid that if they start allowing musical lyrics and screenplays into this category yeah. that Rance to Revelations is never going to win? Uh, oh, there it me. is. There it is. You got me. There it is. All right. So another great songwriter, uh, Leonard Cohen. This is hearsay, but apparently he was asked about Dylan winning this prize. And his comment was, it's like, pinning the tallest mountain award on Mount Everest. Oh. Let that sink in. In other words, I mean, that... He's just trying to make good so that he can be in the running next year. That is a compliment right there. Because people can't earnestly feel good. (sighs) So he's saying this guy is is a, a genius at the top of his game, at least when it comes to songwriters, you know, uh, exactly. Yeah. And listen, I agree with that. Like th- the man is an icon. Bob Dylan is an icon that will not be equaled by anyone. I don't think ever. I'm not denying all of that. I'm just saying it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the right category. All right. All right. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree, uh, but that's good. That's what this is about. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it may win me over eventually. I'm just in a place of, eh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Maybe you yeah. should petition to the board that they open a new category. You know, it's like, it's like when, it's like when they awarded, uh, what was the Matt Damon movie? The astronaut, when he was the astronaut. Do you remember? Oh, Mars. Oh, the Mars. Yeah. Martian? The, the, Martian? the Martian. The Martian. And they wanted so bad to give this an award that they stuck it in the musical and comedy category. They did not. They did. That's what no. it was award for. And it was so funny because they asked Matt Damon, would you think, would you characterize this as a comedy? And he was like, no, it's a musical. Like, even he was <laughs> exactly ridiculous, you know, because so, the movie was neither comedic but, nor musical. 
But did, did they accept the award for it? I mean, you can always turn down an award if you don't well, believe it's right. Well, yes, but that's not the point. The point is you put things in the categories that kind of belong. Wow. That's just where I am. Wow. Why do you got to label t- stuff? Ben? Why do you got to label it? Right? It was These labeled. Were, it was labeled you, as literature. They're, they're just <laughs> human beings. The people making these decisions are just human beings just like us. Just saying. That's just where I am. And it's weird to be. And again, I, I always got to underscore this. I am not saying the man is not a talented icon or that his songs are not what they are. I mean, I'm just put it. Create if you want to give songwriters and musicians Nobel prizes, create a category for them. I think literature is a bit of a stretch. There it is. There it is. All right. Well, let's dive into um, some lyrics. So we have something here from the album Knocked Out Loaded in 1986, and the song is Brownsville Girl. And the line is, strange how people who suffer together have stronger connections than people who are most content. That is deep. Are we going to do this for Marvin Gaye one night? There we go. Same. There we go. So, uh, so he's talking about suffering, creating a certain connection to people, and that 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 suffering can create a stronger connection than people who are simply in a place, uh, uh, I guess, of contentment without suffering. What do you think? Well, do you agree with that? They do say misery loves company. No, and I don't think that's it. <clears throat> um, I don't think I don't that's think it. I, 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 I do. I actually do agree with it though, because when your life is great, you, you can seek out human companionship when you want to. But I really do think when, um, when we're in crisis is when we really need other people, you know, we need that connection. We need to feel human. We need to feel like other people understand us. Um, Ogan, I think you read the book too. Um, the tribe, or tried by Sebastian Jen, he he says the same thing. You know, it's in crisis that that people are are they bond together because they have to because all 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 the things that um separate them that you know we nitpick about each other fall away. We need each other. Okay, we're gonna we're suffering right now from your weird Bluetooth headset. Brian, so you didn't Brian hear I, any of that? Brian, I know. Oh, I, I got you. I Brian got you. But in, in the misery of those loud buzzes that are coming from you. When it's going well, you sound crystal clear. But once in a while, it does the the wonky bzz, bzz, thing. You know. Yeah, sounds like a little computer. Sounds like a fly hit the hit the the bug, the bug zapper thing. Okay, did you get the gist of what I just said? Yes, uh, we did. Yeah, that that certain circumstances, right, of life. Um, when you go through a particularly challenging situation or you have a situation where there's a lot of stress and you go through that with another person or a group of people that creates bonds that are unique to that experience that I think help you run a little deeper than if you don't. And someone in our conversation was saying a uh, conversation last night, in my local pub theology group was saying that something that uh, danger or a stressful situation can do is allow vulnerability to rise to the top. You don't have time to live on the surface when there's, when stuff's real. Yeah. Right. I agree with that. I like that. I still think misery loves company. So another question is, would you rather be, I saw that eye roll. 
Don't don't worry. I, I just said that so those who are listening can understand the kind of, you know, what I got to put up with. Eye rolls and discontent over there. Wow. All right. So go ahead. Question. Yes. Would you rather be safe and alone or in danger, but with friends? Mm. I think either one is better than alone and in danger. So <laughs> nicely played. I will, well I will applaud you for that. That was nice. It's well done. It's well done. Yes. Um, I Which don't know. Scenario involves beer is what I'm asking. <laughs> well, 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 there you go. I think honestly, uh, danger with friends. Um, we can make it more fun and worst case scenario. I could throw one of them to the danger and be okay. Well, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than one friend. There you go. <laughs> wow. You're a tough friend. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I should tell him out. <laughs> yeah. She thinks she can outrun me. She's in for shock. <laughs> there we go. All right. All right. So moving, moving along. Um, Wait, Brian, you didn't say how you feel about that. Oh, I thought I did. Oh, did you? No, he didn't. He, he just said, wherever has beer, whoever has beer. Oh, sorry. I was, I was looking at the lyric, but the follow-up question, uh, would I rather be safe and alone or in danger but with friends? You're right. I did not answer that. Well, I guess it depends on who the friends are and what the level of danger is we're talking about. Um, I can't say... Friendship. Well, no, I, I mean, I just can't... I, uh, I don't mind safety. I'll put it that way. Um, but there's I don't something think about anyone minds safety. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, okay. pick a side. Not that original. Uh, okay, so zombie apocalypse. You're stuck with me and Ogan. Would you rather be alone and safe on an island by yourself? <laughs> wow, boy! Now that you make it so specific, um, I think I'd I think I'd stick with you guys because we, we'd figure out a way, and if not, we'd go down swinging, and uh, we'd have one last final episode, and. There you go. Good well, answer. wait. Okay. Now, if it's zombies, I change my answer. <laughs> I'd rather be safe and alone on a desert island by myself. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll meditate. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll weave some palm palm frond baskets or something. I'll be okay. Ooh, yeah. zombies, palm zombies freak me out a little bit. Basket. I've I've still not gone back to Walking Dead. Um, have not. Oh, you stopped? Dead. Yeah. I won't do it. What it's it's got to. The horror of humanity that is it was on the last episode and i hear is coming this i i can't deal with it and, and 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 part of it honestly was was i stopped watching like around around the uh, last year when i was going through my uh you know after around the time oh, diagnosed and all yes, that like, I, I can't handle any more loss right now i'll come back to it um and i yeah. never did no, but, don't, don't even go back to it Right. I don't, I don't plan to, but you know, I picked up stranger things, which is satisfying that, you know, that, that yeah. factor, you know, exactly. so, so that'll work. Um, Oh, Oh, quick segue. My, my, my new favorite TV show right now. Yes. It's on, it's on NBC. It's called, this is us. Gotta watch. I, I heard that's good. Oh my goodness. First episode. I'm weeping. I'm crying at the end of the episode. And granted, you know, recently I've been in this like cry at anything phase, but still. I've heard it described as emotional porn. Yes. 
That is the best <laughs> way to put it. It was mass that that first episode, especially. Like, I don't need to watch the rest of the series. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone if you haven't watched it yet. But that first episode, like the little, the, it was shot and done so well. The, the little like twist realization that you get at the end, Sexy you're like, man. "Ooh, that was so good." Yes, this is nice. Us. Nice. So, uh, what have, what we've been watching? Uh, this is. I'll not give it a Nobel. Sh- I'll recommend it for a Nobel Prize in literature later. Oh my gosh! This is not on our sheet nor related to Bob Dylan, but we've been watching this show called Zoo, where the animals uh, all sort of band together against humanity. Wait, this is oh, like an animal farm kind of thing. And they they learn to they get they get new powers and they learn to communicate across species and it's really fascinating actually. Is this a cartoon? What are you watching? What is this? No, this is a real show with real people and I mean some of the animals have and to be real computer, talking animals generated. Right. There's no talking animals. So how do they band they, together? They you just gotta watch it. Like the um like the birds can communicate together or the dogs. I mean, you just, you got to watch. Okay. So the lion, I'm not listening to the right music. According to me, you're not watching the right TV shows. Yeah. Never mind. Let's just, <laughs> I thought it sounded kind of cool. Let's get back on track. It is cool. Just is it like planet of the apes in a way. Yes. In a way, but there's more than apes that you have to contend okay. with. What network is this on or is it streaming it's on, on Netflix? Uh, I think it might be a CBS show, but we've been watching it okay. on Netflix. It's called zoo. Zoo. Check it out. Watch the first episode and tell me if you don't think it's something. I'll give it a watch. Yeah, please do. All right. So, uh, next lyrics are from the album Bringing It All Back Home, way back in 1965, from the song Maggie's Farm. We hinted at this in our opener. And I'll give you the line again. Well, I try my best to be just like I am, but everybody wants you to be just like them. And the question is, how do you, well, what do you think he's saying as he's writing this back in 65? But then also the question for us, how do you balance being yourself with trying to fit in? I think it's a testament to people who are afraid of difference, who are afraid when someone is different from them. It it, it challenges them. So a lot of folks feel better when everybody is like them. They believe the same thing as in religion or you know, let's have everybody who lives in my neighborhood maybe look the same or make the same amount of money or whatever. People, people think uh, um, sameness equals contentment and safety, um, which it really doesn't. Why? You think sameness does. Sameness. Yeah. Why what? But why, why do people feel that way? Like, why are people afraid of people that are different than them? Because we don't like difference and we don't like change. But we why don't, don't we like difference? I understand unknown, that. Like, unknown. It's the unknown. It's, it, it's a, we unpredictable. Equate, we equate knowing with safety. If we know, we feel okay. We feel safe. But when things are different than us or change is on the horizon, it freaks us out because of the unknown. So we've got to learn to befriend the unknown. It sounds terribly boring. <laughs> yes, it does. It, of course it does. No, but I, I get what he's saying, and I don't, I don't know if it's um, – I don't know, because I'm kind of looking at that from the flip side of change. I feel judged a lot by 
All right, wait. We got. But stop, I'm different. Stop, then. We got time. You got, we, you, you're doing that buzzing thing again. We don't know what it is. Oh, I'm right, sorry. Let's talk. I'm sorry. No, no, it's frustrating. You, can, all right, let me ask you this: Can you turn down your volume input in some way? Is there volume control on your headset? Not on my headphones. Or, or maybe lean back. Maybe leaning back does it. Is that better? I'm really far away from the computer now. I know yeah. you're, like, you're like this big on the screen. Can no, you but hear it, me? But you, you sound great. Cue again. Yeah, there we go. Okay. All right, take two. Um, no, I get what you're saying, but I'm thinking from the opposite perspective. Like I, I embrace change, and I like people that are different than me, but I feel judged by the people you were just talking about. So, right. I, so it's like I feel like I have to act like them for them to accept me. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's what Dylan was talking about too. Like you want to be yourself, but then you get cut out of the masses because you're so different. Now, to play devil's advocate, you know, there are societal norms we probably should all agree on and follow, so we don't want to go Ooh. too far on the extreme. But isn't that or, or telling do. somebody that they can't be themselves? Well, yeah. that's, that's the question. How far do we take that? You know, Well, Tina didn't move out to the West Coast for nothing. <laughs> you can be yourself, right? Yeah. Well, you're, you're right. Well, was, were you having trouble being yourself where you were? Yes, absolutely. See? Okay. Well, you had, well, so that's interesting. So your choices were stay where you were, be yourself, and all the people, you know, being, being, and feel isolated around you, or go to where, like you say, find people you can fit in with and, and be your tribe. Neither one of those things is right or wrong, I would, I would say. But at the same point in time, one can make the argument that you let the people who were judging you win because they chased you away. No, 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 nope. I said, Thank you, Brian. Brian, speak. I don't think that's a conceding that someone wins. I think you have to find a place where you can be. I think we all need a space in which we can be ourselves and we have enough support and affirmation to do that. Now, maybe some have capacity to continually buck against what all the pressures are on them. And I think history tells us that there are some folks, but that's hard sledding and it's no concession to say, I'm going to put myself in a place where I can be who I am. And in fact, I I would look at my own recent um, transition from my former um, denomination to uh, the United Church of Christ, where there is a much larger bandwidth for uh, the ideas that I now hold, a more progressive theology, a more socially conscious um, political views and ideas on justice. And, you know, I was trying to hold those views in a place where there was not space for that and where I was constantly getting pressure to conform or to not say certain things. And after a while, it's like, I, I don't need to deal with that. I need to be in a place where I can be affirmed and I can still, you know, learn things and still be challenged and challenge others, of course. But it's not this constant barrage of you're a problem or you need to get in line. Like, that just gets old. Yeah, it, it does. But isn't that how those organizations change? Okay, like, again, so so like, why, like, why did you leave so, Barbados? Why didn't you go back after college? Why didn't I go back to Barbados after college? Yeah, why did you choose to move here? 
for all the reasons y'all are saying. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not dissing what we're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yeah, yes. change can um, help. But, so I didn't know. I, I honestly didn't go back because I got a degree in music therapy. So it was about, okay, where can I go find a job or go back home? Plus I had met Jennifer. The real reason I stayed in the U.S. I knew it. It's always a girl. It was for a girl. Okay. She was, she was the X factor. That's kind of the real reason. Um, because because yeah. the truth be told was at some point in college, I actually went back home, did a presentation about music therapy to a group of doctors at the hospital. And they were like, great, we can't wait till you come back here and like get this thing rolling. Then I met, then I fell in love. And, you know, mm. when we love, we'll, you know, make different choices. Mm. Um, but so, so back to you, Brian, though, but, and I'm not, this is, this is me in some ways, yes, playing devil's advocate, but also saying, yes, there is, there is an importance of um, finding ourselves in a place where we don't have to struggle so hard, where we are accepted, where we are supported for who we are and what we bring to the table. Right. And at the same time, where, where's that line between that and this, this organization or this family or this town or whatever I'm in um, needs to evolve and, I, who who are we to say that they need and I, to evolve? And I could be the person who does that. Yeah. Well, I mean, to answer that, I would say that uh, I tried for 10 years in that, uh, 10 plus years in that denomination to uh, help be a part of that change and, and push for that. So I feel like I, it's not like I jumped ship you uh, did immediately. Yeah, I feel like I did my time and came to a place where it just wasn't productive anymore. But I still am in a place because where I'm living in Holland is a very conservative town, mm-hmm. both theologically and politically. And so the idea of starting a progressive community of faith, which we're doing, um, that I think is still doing that working for uh change in raising consciousness, raising awareness, uh, challenging theological assumptions, political (laughs) assumptions, whatever. And so I feel like I'm still able to do that, but now with a broader support in community with people who also have that vision to do that. And anyway, so it it feels right. But Brian, you, you just took us back to the first quote is it's easier to be in the trenches when you're not alone. Boom. Exactly. Perfect. That's right. And please don't please don't hear me as me saying that you shouldn't have done what you did. You're 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 a better person than I am. I'd have been I'd have been out after five years. Furthermore, ten. Uh, so so I commend I commend you for that uh, as well. So I I just no no I hear you. I raise, hear just you. raising the point. No no and 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 it's yeah. a valid point. And I and I think you have to gauge for yourself. You know, calling timing role, all those things. Uh, yeah. So getting back to Dylan, uh, I think, you know, so he's writing in the 60s. Uh, somebody was saying, you know, did he sing this at Woodstock? And so, you know, we think of sort of the uh, peace movement, the anti-Vietnam protests, sort of the hippie movement, peace, love, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, do you think some of that, it seems like some of that has to be what's going on, right? He's kind of a nonconformist He's trying to align maybe with some movements that maybe the uh, the mainstream of America or the political powers didn't want to support, but yet that felt like a genuine reality. So I think he's giving voice not only to his own experience, but to a certain movement in the nation at that time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he. I mean, he's a troubadour. He's he's singing about the times, 
And exactly. I mean, when you look at his when you look at his collection of music over the decades, it's reflecting not just big picture what's happening in the decade, but sometimes specific issues and things that come up. Like, you know, I don't I haven't listened to a lot of Dylan, but you know, one of my favorite Dylan songs is is the Hurricane when he's talking about the the boxer that you know eventually they made the movie about it, but the boxer that was um, a, a accused of uh, committing murders that he didn't commit um, was it? Was what was the boxer's name? Hurricane was it Carter? I think. Anyways, but um, so so he can speak to specific events as well. So I think it's very cool. I'll, I'll look that up while we while we move on. Yeah, take a peek at that. And uh, we were talking about this uh, at our Pup Theology last night, and we tried out a new venue, by the way, and it was great. And the uh, bartender put on all Dylan music for us, which was perfect for our conversation. That's awesome. but, yeah, it was, it was great. And right after we were talking about this lyric and this line from this song, uh, the, the song Like a Rolling Stone came on, mm-hmm. and that says, How does it feel? How does it feel to be without a home? like a complete unknown, like a rolling stone. And someone said he probably wrote this a few years later when he goes out on that limb of being himself and, and not conforming. But now how does it feel now that you're almost, you're on your own, you know, you kind of, you express your individuality, but now how does it feel to sort of be out of no man's land? Yeah. You don't have roots. You don't, you don't have grounding. Yeah. So yep. I thought that was, that was interesting, but that's, I think, where you should be. Uh, for me, that's 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 now you're taking off to fly. So you're not you're not you're not connected to. Ooh, the Rolling Stone gathers no moss and no moss. may eventually launch. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, or you know, according to the temp, uh, temptations, you know, <laughs> wherever you lay your head is your home. First, they invent the wheel, and then next flight. I mean, it's there you just, go. All right, so Hurricane. Um, it was it was written about uh Reuben Hurricane Carter and he was a boxer in the 60s and he was um wrongly imprisoned for a triple murder that he did not commit um and eventually as his case was being tried by I think law students and it garnered a lot of attention and and Bob Dylan was one of the celebrities that got involved and wrote a song about it um yeah one of, one did, of my did they make that into a movie? Because it sounds really familiar to me. Uh, yeah, I yes. said that earlier. Are you oh. listening? Yes. No. They made it Denzel, in- no less. Um, what did uh, you say? I said Denzel Washington, no less. Yeah. That's why I remember it. I love him. It was Denzel. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. We're shifting to another song, also from uh, the album Bringing It All Back Home, which Maggie's Farm was from. This is the song, I'm All Right, Ma, I'm Only Bleeding. <laughs> which is a great title. I'm all right. I'm all right. And here's the line. You got to pay attention. There's a lot happening here. As human gods aim for their mark, make everything from toy guns that spark to flesh colored Christs that glow in the dark. Easy to see without looking too far that not much is really sacred. Speaking of Denzel, did you see a uh, magnificent? Oh, seven? Did you really that. just do that after he said that big spiel? It's connected. No, I just it's laid right. down okay. the lyrics, and he just. Did you yeah, see my seven though? No. Okay, really, really good. I mean, it's it's a remake of a remake because originally there was a Seven Samurai, and then they made that into a Western starring Yul Brynner back in the day, 
um, yes. and now we've done this remake with Denzel, Chris Pratt, a couple other um, Oh, people. this is the like the, the modern Western? The Western, yeah. Yes. It's, it's very cool. All connected. People, people with guns aiming for their mark. Um, you know, yes. there, were, there were some some like liberation, forgiveness okay. undertones. It's, okay. all, it's all connected. It's all connected. There you go. It's exactly. All it's all good. I feel like Brian has to repeat what he said and, now because and, he took us so far off track. Under, underlying, another underlying theme of the film is the sacredness of things, like of light. Because oh. okay. the bad guy didn't treat anything as sacred and they basically had to come in and put him in his place. But this song was written in, again, 60s when I think there was that, there was that kind of like, you know, hippie revolution kind of deal, free love, all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of people were, um, in, in a sense, I think it was the beginning. Of, this is me speaking because I wasn't there, so I'm no authority. But I think the impression that was given was that anything goes, everything was okay. Um, and some people didn't respond to that as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He was on the side of the people that didn't respond. So um, maybe he's making a commentary on their behalf or just saying that, yeah, it's, it's who's to say what's sacred and what's not. Mm. Now, what, how does this strike you, Tina? I, well, I, cause thank you for putting it on the side so I can reread it too. Um, I, I feel like he's saying that like we, we glorify certain things and we dumb down other things and it's like nothing feels sacred. And I, I kind of get that. And like after our discussion over the last 40 minutes, I'm sitting here feeling like our times now are an awful lot like the sixties. Like it's, it's coming back around again. And um, I mean, cause in our time, kind of feels that way too. Like there isn't much that's sacred anymore. And everybody you talk to around this country will give you a different version of what they think should be sacred that other people are being sacrilegious to, but then you talk to the next person, it's something completely opposite. Yeah. Here's where I took this. Uh, you know, when I guess the reference from toy guns makes me think of, um, marketing sales stores or flesh colored Christs. Like it, it makes me think of, it makes me think that it feels a little bit like a uh, critique of our consumerist culture, uh, maybe a critique of capitalism, uh, you know, human gods trying to be creators as God is the ultimate creator, but we end up sort of, um, we just, we aim much lower, right? We miss, we try to aim for our mark, but our mark is much lower and it's always about the dollar. So it's, whether it's toy guns or even religious things that are, should be sacred, we make glow in the dark ones for the buck, you know? And so it's, it's kind of like, did you guys um, read a, did you guys, you hit the nail on the head, Brian? did you guys read American Gods by Neil Gaiman? Uh, no, I think I have it, but I have not read it. I read it. It, it, it kind of speaks to the same thing. Um, it's kind of got like that, like horror sci-fi edge to it, but, but where things like commercialism, TV, those kind of things actually uh, are spirits that um, oh, nice. in a nice. kind of way. Um, so yeah, you got you got to check it out. But, but I I, I want to also take another turn at it. I agree with what you're saying, Brian, about commercialism. 
um, and and it really devaluing things in a weird way. But also, what what determines what is sacred? Um, the people do. People we determine. Great, Great question. What is sacred? And, but we can't agree on stuff, Hogan. But, but that's what I was just about to say. Oh, it's sorry. also very arbitrary. It's also very arbitrary what we say sacred and what isn't sacred. And different times, different the same thing at a different time is sacred, and then at another time it's not. Sacredness is very uh, subjective. Um, and and we uh, an interesting example and at a. And at Unity Village, which is uh, basically where Unity headquarters is, and it's the seminary. Um, it's where Silent Unity, Daily Word, those and other publications are housed. Um, there's there's a, a chapel called the Fillmore Chapel, and it's deemed a very sacred place. People talk about mm-hmm. they feel a sacred energy when they walk in. Um, yes. But on the chapel, there are two adjoining rooms that can be accessed from the outside. They're they're identical in layout, you know. One of them is another smaller piece prayer chapel. So you go in in silence, a little meditative space, and again, people walk in there and they talk about how they feel the energy and the sacredness of the place. The other side of the chapel, an identical room, is a media closet where <laughs> right. you know, like sound equipment, the rooms to sweep the place. Yeah. Nobody's talking about the sacredness of that room. But it's exactly the same room as the other one. Mm. So we, we same space. In the same space. But what made it sacred? Our designation of the rooms. I mean, we could have said the other one was the broom closet and the first one, you know, we could have switched them around. Mm-hmm. So, so what denotes the thing as sacredness is, is us. So in a sense, I think there is nothing that is inherently sacred. We appoint the sacredness to it. And okay, like saying, so, Tina, it's it is very subjective and arbitrary, and to what's important. So, if we combine what you two said, then we make money and power sacred in this country. I remember that we worship that. And, so, whose and, fault is it? And, then? and fame, we made we've made fame sacred, especially you know with social media. Now, no, one, it's it's not Bob Dylan's fault. I'll say that. No, it's, it's not. It's not. Even though he needs one to start writing again. <laughs> but one would argue now he's become sacred. He's become a sacred icon. We just gave him Ooh. one of the highest prizes Ooh. on the planet. You know, have we just not elevated yeah, so sacred status? I I agree with you in large part, Ogan, that uh, we ascribe uh, sacredness to something, right? And um, we think of sacred as sort of holy or infused with the divine or special in a certain way, but it, we we're good at sort of saying, as you said, this is a sacred place. This isn't. Uh, and so I guess the question is, is there anything that is not subjectively sacred, but is objectively sacred? Uh, like no. think back to, uh, hold on. It, I knew you I knew that was your answer. If we go back to, let's say um, Hebrew Bible times, right. As the Israelites are wandering in the desert and they've got their tent that, Tent of Meeting, the Tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. Is the Holy of Holies, was that objectively sacred or was it merely because certain priests are saying it's so or because God is saying it's so, it's sacred, but actually it isn't any different than outside the tent? Don't you think everything's sacred in God's eyes? 
And if everything sacred is anything sacred, doesn't it level the playing field? Ooh. But we don't treat everything as if it's sacred. No, we don't. No, no, of course not. We don't. That's what I'm saying. Sacredness is subjective. There's no, there's no. So, so to answer your question, Brian, here, here's what I would say. Um, it, it was sacred to them because they understood it to be sacred to them. But what happened, you know, and when, when Jesus died in the temple, curtain was ripped in, in half and that inner holy of holies is now no more. Um, you get what I'm saying? So it lost its oh, sacredness sure. in, in that event. So, so to it, but here's the thing to them, it was, but did it, or was it just a shift in consciousness? So, well, to them it was okay. So go back to the original question. Yes. To them, it was sacred, but to anyone who was like, happened to be wandering the desert that wasn't part of the tribe of Israel. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, but what about the Ark of the Covenant, right? This guy just touches it and he dies because it is inherently sacred, objectively. Okay. Boom. Did, well, okay, let's check, let's, mate. Let's, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> you don't know I don't have a mood. <laughs> I am teasing, dude. I'm totally teasing. You don't know. So, I, okay, I hear what you're saying again. Now, here's the interesting question. Again, if some dude who was wandering the desert that was not an Israelite happened upon them and touched the ark, would he have been struck down dead too? I don't know. Was anybody actually struck down dead? I really don't know. I think, I think that when we, tr- I think our, the, the beliefs and our responses around what we have deemed sacred are determined by, by oh, our yes. assigning of sacredness yeah. to it. You know, we think we violated, you know, it's, 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 it's like, you know, explorers who happen upon indigenous tribes and they're like, you know, we just climbing up this little mountain here and indigenous tribes are like, no, this is a sacred holy place. You violated this. Yes. You know, so it's kind of like if, if there was a sacred tree in the forest, would it be sacred (laughs) if there was no one to sacralize it? I think that was Ogan's point. (laughs) It was, it was. How, uh, How about this thought from Wendell Berry? He says, there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. Oh, I like that. Um, One of my favorite songs is, uh, I forget who wrote it. It's called uh, Everything is Holy Now. Um, Mm, Yes. I'll look up up the songwriter uh, while we chat. But yes, um, it's, it's, I, uh, t- to get to what t- Peter Mayer, he's a songwriter, uh, holy now, uh, it's great song. But I think it's incumbent upon us to treat everything as if it is sacred, as in mm, assigning yes. great value to it. That's the only way we will cherish it, protect it, honor it. All people, all places, all things, treat everything as sacred. I like I that. Think, I think it's about time we start treating the earth as if it's sacred again. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, some of us do. Not enough of us do is the issue. Not enough of us do. So um, what about Moses with the burning bush episode? No. Was, that a, was that a special bush or was it the same as every other bush? bush? It's just he was paying attention at that moment. I, I think he was... I think he was just having a heat wave episode from wandering <laughs> into the desert. A little heat stroke. 
a little heat stroke going on. <laughs> I'm going to get letters for that one. Dude, oh, you're in the desert. Seriously? Can't things just spontaneously come? Exactly. I, it, Spontaneous combustion. That's that's what that was. Or I mean, was seriously, can't things just, I mean, if it was dry enough? There can always be a natural explanation, but that just takes all the fun out of it. Okay, I mean, come on, come listen, dude. Come on, man. We know all we know all that stuff is allegory. That's not it's not what really happened. No, <laughs> but I hear what Brian's saying. Like if 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 we take all the magic out of the Bible stories, then we take all the magic out of today. And I want to believe in magic. Well, I'm not telling you don't believe in magic, but no no one's reading Harry Potter and think there's a Hogwarts out there somewhere. Don't be so literal. I, but don't you believe in miracles, Ogan? Oh, here we go. No, boy. <laughs> I think we've done on this trick. But we covered this in an earlier episode. Go we did, go. but let, let's stick with the bush for just a minute. So, you know, various approaches to this are that, <laughs> that God really did come and inhabit that bush in a way and create a visual, right? He looked at the bush and that it was on fire and yet it did not burn up. And so the idea was that it was not just a, bur- a bush on fire because then it would be gone. So God is present in a unique way in that bush. And then he hears a voice speaking to him, right? Right. And so there's that. Or I've also heard it said that actually, you know, and then he has to take his shoes off because it's holy ground. But you, it's also said that actually all the ground around him was holy and all the bushes were burning bushes. It was just his perception he finally was awake to the moment to hear what was always all around him. Well, all my, all my rebuttal is that, you know, was Moses even real? Come on. Are you just going to, I knew I'm it. Just, I'm just going to go there. going to keep going there. Haven't you seen Prince of Egypt? <laughs> oh, there you go. That, that's mean, the way to fight it. Or, or what is it? Uh, what's the Exodus movie with like Christian Bale? Ten Commandments. Oh, Christian Bale was a, he was not the good Moses. See a bad no. Moses. He did no. He did not do Charlton Heston proud. Not even in the same ballpark. Um, or, or or the original Moshe. There you go. So so. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but in all in in all seriousness, assuming let's let's make the assumption yes, Moses was real, and if we assume that Moses was real and the Exodus really did happen, then yes, all these events like the burning bush and you know people being struck down by touching the ark and all that really did happen then yes those things one could argue were objectively sacred now also but here's the thing though you know they also said that this holy land to which they were going was again objectively sacred because god directed them to say this is the land i'm giving you all right but But now you have to go and kill people and take it (laughs) exactly it was an empty land it was somebody else's home before they showed up and committed mass genocide so where's the sacredness in that? West of the Euphrates, east of the Great Sea. Yeah. I mean, it's, where's yeah. the sacredness in that, right? So again, all relative. Although you know, uh, this came up again uh, in a prior discussion. That does the word um, sacred itself have its roots in the word blood, or carry with it the idea of uh, the shedding of blood? And so that what was considered sacred often involved sacrifice. So that word mm-hmm. sacrifice has some of the same root as sacred. And so the idea that holiness, the presence of holiness or being the presence of the divine requires blood to be shed. Obviously, this is an ancient idea. 
in the in the Hebrew scriptures, but also in pagan cultures. And to take it to modern times, if we hold something to be sacred, then yes, we we are going to make sacrifices for it. I, I hold my family to be sacred, my spiritual community, um, and I make sacrifices of time and energy and and money and and my own personal needs to make sure these the needs of these things I consider sacred are met. So yes, it does involve sacrifice, but I can just as easily decide that these things aren't sacred to me and don't, you know, it's, it's, it's again, that, that really inherently subjective thing. Cause many people make the choices to not make their family sacred or to make anything sacred in their lives other than themselves. And then they sacrifice everything else around them for themselves. So you know, there's. I don't think there's any objective sacredness. It's about what we choose. And I don't know that that sacrifice necessarily means bloodshed. I think it it's associated with it because that's what they sacrificed back then. But if you think about their times and what what Ogan is saying now, what's sacred to him back then? Food was sacred. Oh, I'm sorry. See. <sighs> <laughs> Back then, food, food was sacred because it wasn't as plentiful. Like, we, they couldn't run to the grocery store. So for them to sacrifice something that they could eat, I, I get that. Like, I get how animal sacrifices started and whatnot. But I don't necessarily think blood equates to sacrifice. Um, I totally agree with Ogan. I think when we mark, make mark, something... Mark the, mark the time on the episode right here. Stop it. I say it, like, on average once an episode. Um <laughs> But I, I agree with him in the fact that I think when we make something sacred to ourselves, that we do make sacrifices in other areas of our lives to keep that sacred to us, to keep it important to us. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm sympathetic to uh, Wendell Berry's view that there are no unsacred places, that somewhat, some, it's, it's all sacred unless for some reason we've desecrated it or we treat it as less than sacred. And so our calling is, as I think you both have both articulated, uh, to acknowledge the sacred in each place, in each moment, in each person, and treat it as such. And if we did that, we'd be in certainly a better place, uh, arguably, than we, than we are now. I was tempted to ask, could, you, could that hold true if you went to hell? Could you make hell a sacred place? But that, of course, is a different discussion than... We don't have time to go down that road. That's an interesting topic that maybe we should explore next time. Dropping a bomb at the end of the episode. Wow, spoiler for those who are... We talked about this before. Come on. Of course we have. Yeah, don't bring up hell. You know, he's just going to cut you right off. It's a state of consciousness. And yes, we could make it sacred by not trying to get out of that state of consciousness and keep living in it. Very true. Ooh, so boom. to escape your own hell. All right, so I'm going to leave your our word, final man. word. Peck and mate. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> my friend, touche. So we will give our last word to Bob Dylan from his song, I Shall Be Released. And I'll read just a selection from that. He says, they say everything can be replaced, yet every distance is not near. So I remember every face of every man who put me here. I see my light come shining from the west and to the east. Any day now, any day now, I shall be released. Word. 
There it is. There it is. Well, thanks for tuning in, friends, to Pub Theology Live. We'd love you to continue to connect with us and spread the word on social media. You can do that on Facebook and Twitter, especially, and you can find us occasionally on Instagram. Uh, don't think we're on Snapchat, so don't look for us there. Um, just saying. Uh, Some of us are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. Fair enough. And you can listen to this show as you may be doing right now, anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Got your headphones in. You're just chilling and listening to Pub Theology Live. So thanks for doing that. And you know what? Leave us a review on iTunes. We would love that. And if you want to connect to a conversation like this in your own town, you can find a Pub Theology group near you at pubtheology.com. And again, thanks to our sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And until next week. Wait, 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 quick question. So if they give us a really good review on iTunes, are they making us sacred? Yes. Exactly. And they could win free beer. Make us sacred, people. Make us sacred. If you had a sacred moment during this show, leave us a review. And until next week, we are going to be some Rolling Stones. So we will see you next week. We are out. Does anyone want to lay bets as to if Bob Dylan actually shows up to the event to receive his prize? I think there's a reason he can't reach him. Well, he, he heard about it and took off. He's well, I thought you were saying he was dead. <laughs> Checked <laughs> out. He's 75. I mean, come on. <laughs> I think if he was dead, he'd know by now. Well, he listen, he is a noted recluse and he kind has of, his reputation. Exactly. He has a reputation for showing up at the last minute or not at all. Maybe he agrees with you, Ogan. Maybe he thinks he shouldn't have won it because it should go to a, oh. a novel. Oh. Novel idea. <laughs> no. Brian, like, if you were a listener, you would win. You totally win. Now, hey. <laughs> Try, yeah, he tries. Exactly. No, he tries it. No, to he no tries. success. <laughs>